If you're an ambitious business owner ready to think big, rewrite your own rules, and take action to skyrocket your business know-how, your profit, your cash flow, and most importantly, your free time, then this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Simply Smarter Numbers podcast, and I'm your host, Jen Waterson. I'm a business profit coach helping business owners just like you make more profit and take back their time. So hit subscribe now and let's dive in. Today, we are talking about something that I've personally had a lot of experience in, but no training in. And we're talking about leadership as an employer and ultimately how to get the absolute most from what is often the highest expense in your business. There's a lot of money to be made by employing others, but there's also a lot of money and sleep to be lost by employing others. Personally, I've experienced it in a few different ways. One, as a business owner with a contracted VA, nice and simple. Another, as a business owner with up to 18 employees, that was a little bit more complicated. And then also as a CFO with over 60 employees. So that's a different kettle of fish altogether. And I've had enough to do with human resources over the years to know that some things work and some things just don't work. So today I'm talking with an expert, Katina Mills from Club Sandwich HR, about five tools that you need in your toolkit if you do employ or you're thinking about employing or contracting out to others. And Katina also has a really simple activity that you can walk yourself through to decide whether you really do need your first or your next hire. So I'm really keen to get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Katina. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really happy to have you here today. This is a, it can be a bit of a dry topic, but it's such an important topic and we're going to try and make it as undry as possible. But tell us firstly, a little bit about yourself, your background and your business. Yeah, um, definitely can be a dry topic. And I think um, literally was talking to someone today about HR can kind of have the rep of being the fun police. Um, and like you, like you <laughs> said, there's, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of different people have had a lot of different interactions or kind of expectations of HR and what that all means. Um, I have been lucky to work in a few different areas of HR and kind of see um, a broad spectrum of how it can work really well, how it maybe hasn't worked so well, and then more recently the impact that it can really have within small businesses. Um, it's definitely something that, that historically people think of as a big business thing and that small business doesn't really need HR because it's kind of a whole department that sits in the corner and sometimes we don't really know exactly what they even do. Um, and I've kind of in my career have had, like I said, the experience of working in some of those bigger teams as well as being um, a solo HR person within a, a team of about 150. Um, and then over the last couple of years worked um, in the consulting space with small businesses and being able to um, directly work with people that either don't have HR within their existing business or have kind of somebody who's inherited HR, which um, often is the, the finance department or the CFOs that get HR kind of thrown yeah. in there from a risk perspective um, and getting to support a whole range of different um, areas of HR for all of those businesses, which is super rewarding. Yeah. And you say like you've got the experience that comes with the training and everything that goes with it. Experience when it comes to HR is 
it's actually priceless. Like having ex- having experience with working with different humans because it's not just all about crossing your T's and dotting your I's. That's, you know, and policy and procedure and all that sort of stuff. All of that is super important. But it's also about getting finding out how to get them the best out of the employees that you've got or the and and I guess we're going to say up front that we're going to use the term employees or contractors interchangeably here it's just about the people that you're outsourcing to really isn't it yeah exactly and a lot of people kind of talk to us and say oh I have contractors or freelancers that work for me so I probably don't need HR Um, and that can be the case for a lot of, like you said, the kind of legal side of things because it is a bit of a different setup there but definitely uh, from a motivation, expectation setting, communication, all of those kind of areas of of, um, people management, it doesn't matter kind of how people are contracted, there's all of those kind of areas that are still super relevant um, regardless of an employee or contractor relationship. Mm. Yeah. And I guess that's where we are going to sort of leads into what it is that we're going to talk about today. So we have, you've given me these like sort of five tools that we need in our toolkit as an employer and, or, you know, when we're looking at outsourcing and they're really, they are quite relevant regardless of the relationship that you have. If you're paying somebody else to do work for you, then these things that you're going to go through here today, they're the things that we need to spend a lot of time on to make sure that we do get our money's worth really at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And like you said, very applicable across um, what, depending on what the relationship is, but also the size of your team. And I think that's something that a lot of small business owners like, oh, I've only got one or two people, so I probably don't need to have too much structure or worry too much about having some of these tools in their toolkit. Um, but starting when you've got those smaller teams and putting some of that structure in place can really help if you do have to have a difficult conversation or if you grow really quickly and you add another kind of three to five people into your team in a short space of time, that's going to put a bit of pressure on the kind of ease at which things can happen when you're super small. So having some of these structures in place from the start can then make it a lot more streamlined. Allows you to, yeah, scale and grow much faster, doesn't it? Exactly. And like you've talked about before on your podcast, it really is kind of um, getting set up and having the systems and things in place beforehand so that you can then scale and grow more quickly because you don't have to also build that as you're going. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess the other thing too, the reason why you need to be looking into this and taking notice of these types of conversations when you do just have, say, one or two people that you're outsourcing to is when you've only got one or two, then it probably means that your business is at the point where you're not quite hitting the top line, so the revenue that you really want in your business. So you're still growing your business potentially. And if you've got that one or two in there, then it can take a significant chunk out of your profit, you know, and you're going to be paying a lot of money. And it does, you do take on a level of risk when you're bringing outsiders into your business. So you actually need it. I feel like you need it more these sort of things that we're going to be talking about today, you need it more in your business as a smaller business so that you do actually don't, you're not going to, you're not going to lose out. You don't want to lose out. You know, you're only making X amount of profit anyway. You don't want to go giving it away to, you know, 
these employees or, or the contractors, you know, you want to get the most out of the people that you have around you. Yeah, absolutely. And having, you know, when it's one or two people, they're either a half or a third of your whole business. Um, that yeah, makes a big huge. impact if they're if they're not motivated or, you know, they're not achieving what they need to achieve, then it's it's a it's a big impact, like you said, on the financials and then also um, like you said, right at the start, the the kind of lack of sleep that you might be getting as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, it can be really stressful. So the five things that we're going to go through, I'll just like, you know, um, put the headings out there so that if anyone's listening, you are going to be, you're going to know what you're in for. We're going to talk about vision and goals. We're going to talk about mission and values. We're going to talk about organizational structure. And then we start to get into some of the more meaty stuff, which is position descriptions and KPIs. I love talking about KPIs. And then the fifth one, which I love that you've got this in here because this is super important, is the regular one-to-one chats. So I'm really looking forward to getting into those last couple in particular, but we really, it is important to, you know, have the conversation around those first three. So let's get into it. Number one, vision and goals. Tell us about what we need to do when it comes to, yeah, getting things right with our employees. Yeah, so like with essentially any other um, function within your business, whether that be finance, marketing, sales, it's really important to have kind of that end in mind. Basically, where are we heading towards? Because otherwise, you know, it's it's very easy to get distracted and lost and go off track. So by having that vision and the longer term goals really clear, that gives obviously you as a business owner direction of, okay, where am I going? If I'm going to grow by this amount, then I'm probably going to need to have people on. But it also helps once you start to have a team to really guide that decision making for them because they know what the the big goals and the longer term um, kind of outcomes are that the business is looking for. And it also gives them something to buy into from a, um, I guess, an inspiring and exciting perspective to see where the business is going and, and really commit to being a part of that kind of journey, I mm. suppose. That's a really good point, the buy-in. It's important to have a level of buy-in with people that are working with you in your business because what you want to get out, what you want to get from them, it needs to align with what they want to get out uh, from themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, they need, you need to have that level of alignment there to start with and everybody wants to be on a winning team. So if they believe that you are creating something that is going to be something that they want to be involved in, then you're going to, you're just going to get so much more out of them in the long run. Yeah, 100%. And I think it is that um, people like to know that they're a part of something and like to be able to see kind of what impact mm-hmm. they're having. And if if you can then, um, part of part of what this, all of the whole toolkit is about is really connecting people um, individually and their individual roles with kind of the bigger picture and where the whole business is going, um, because that can be a big motivator for people. Um, and especially kind of at the, this time of year or this year in particular, where things kind of go a bit wayward and everyone gets pretty tired it can then be um, pulling these tools out of your toolkit as those motivators to say like come on we're so close to this goal that we were wanting or remember this is the big picture of why we're doing what we're doing so can let's kind of keep pushing through Um, and it can be one of those things that you can pull out that kind of gets people back on track Mm, and it doesn't just help your employees it helps you as well I think when you do have that vision 
Yeah. You know, when you are undergoing certain times that are tough for whatever reason, yes, this year it's been coronavirus, obviously, but there's always going to be something that's going on in business that makes it hard or tough or difficult. You know, you have those times, but when you do have that vision there, it can help you as well. Yeah. And it, it gives you a lot of clarity around kind of the, the big decisions and the next moves that you need to make um, because you've got that kind of end goal in mind to be able to, to shift and, and um, make those decisions. It's sometimes a really tough uh, decisions to make, particularly this year, it could be things like uh, reducing your team size and those kind of things that are super hard to make. But if you've got that bigger vision in mind, um, you can stay connected to that and and it becomes a little bit easier to make some of those Mm. hard decisions. Yeah. So from a practical perspective, how do you let people know what your vision is you know do you you have do we have conversations with them is it particular meetings that we have is it what is it how do we let them know what our bigger goals are yeah um and so it depends a little bit I guess around how you structure that for yourself and some people will set goals on an annual basis some people have a bit of a five-year plan that's kind of um, becoming less popular I think now that the world is changing Mm. so much um but definitely letting your team in on some of those higher level goals, but also um, a lot of why you started your business and the impact that you wanted to make uh, and kind of, I guess, the vision that you had for your business when you started is something that's really powerful to share with your team. And so that might be when they join your team. It might be something that you revisit on a six monthly or annual basis if you have like a team strategy day where you're kind of looking at either moving into a new space or doing some training or those kind of times can be really good to kind of bring back those um, visions and bigger goals to to kind of do a bit of a reset or like I said before if it's a tough time uh, kind of pulling that back out and refocusing and it might be something that you have written in a like that specific wording or it might be just more of a a conversation or a a thought process basically as, as what your vision is. I think having something written is good because it it keeps it consistent, but it also can just be something that you talk to um, each kind of touch point. But definitely on a regular basis is good to be able to um, keep your people connected because I think it's like you have to say something seven times for it to sink in. Um, So you've got to to keep Mm -hmm. saying it because just telling everyone once probably won't cut it. Yeah. And I guess it's things also like you mentioned, like as an example, you know, if you're looking at relocating or you're looking at uh, outsourcing to a new new location. You want to build a, a something new in a new location. Having the conversations with your team around what it is you want to do, when you want to do it, and why you want to do it gives them a chance to be involved in it a little bit as well, and it, they get that little bit of ownership over it, which just um, creates that a little bit more loyalty and a little bit of excitement around the place too, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. They can be a part of it and you can explain how this fits into into the that bigger vision and the longer term plan and really um, bring them along for the ride. And like you said, they can they can have some ownership over it as well. And there's probably decisions and pieces of work or projects along the way that you would be happy to um, have input on and have people mm. share in the, the responsibility of that. And so if they're really aligned to what to where the business is going, that becomes a lot easier for them to get involved in that journey too. Yeah, perfect. So mission and values, that's number two. Let's get into that one. 
Yeah, so I guess if we think about the vision and goals is a bit more of like the intellectual or the objective kind of piece of saying, okay, this is this is the revenue goal that we might meet or this is the, the bigger kind of impact that we want to have um, that probably has some specifics around it. The vision and values are a little bit more um, emotive. So they're kind of the things that are um, motivating people from a, a feelings perspective rather than, a, oh, I can see that we're going to get to that stage and I'm excited about that it's a little bit more of that um, kind of what how are we changing the world or why do we get up every day um, mm. and how does it feel to come to work here and so that's really um, that kind of setting the tone for the culture quite often can be your mission and values and whether you've got those articulated or they're just kind of innate and living within the team it doesn't really matter um, because that the culture will be shaped by that regardless of whether they're written down or it's just kind of the how we do things here and they get formed that way uh, they become really important for um, guiding behavior again particularly if they are articulated um, and giving people something to connect to and that feeling of purpose that they're really a part of something um, that's probably doing something good in the world because obviously we all want want to feel like we're having a good impact on either just our you know customers or the community or kind of broader from there as well. Mm, yeah, from uh, again, from a practical perspective, I know one exercise that we went through in our business when we were trying to build some of these values into our business. Now, our business had been around for a very, very long time and we were trying to build these values into it and we decided to include everybody in the team. So we had uh, over a, a series of a couple of different meetings with the whole team together and we sort of, you know, made it fun. We had, it was light and it was fun. It was, there was food and we got up and we had um, the big butcher pad everywhere all around the walls and we had everybody say what do they want in their workplace from a values perspective you know what do you want to see what do you what do you love about the place that we're in so they actually helped us we as a group we got together and we came up with and brainstormed a whole bunch of values and then we as a group we sat there and said okay well which ones are more important how can we prioritize these and we selected a few that really resonated with everybody and then from there we had them written up on um, a card that purposefully sat on every single person's desk so they were always there looking at you so it was kind of a nice way to include the team and you know not make it about you know oh management were coming up with these ideas and oh that's their values and oh, okay that's going to sit on my desk now so there was that level of um, involvement as well and I think people were more emotionally connected to it um, which yeah that really worked quite well for us. Yeah, I think um, involving the team definitely at whatever kind of level works for you, I think is is a really good idea because, again, like you said before, it really breeds that ownership um, and they feel a part of, of what's happening. Um, another thing with values that's really useful is to look at what what are we not so good at necessarily because often when we look at values from a branding perspective, it's like, What's our point of difference and what are we really great at and what do we stand for? Uh, whereas it can be really useful for team values to, to say, okay, what do we need to be great at but maybe we're not quite yet? Mm, and that might be um, 
you know, with teams that get along really well, they might not want to uh, push back or give constructive feedback on if people are maybe have difference of opinions. They might kind of just be very agreeable and not want to push back or challenge each other. Um, but often that's what's needed to grow and develop and be innovative and creative is to actually push push back and push the boundaries in a respectful way, of course. Um, so maybe for an example in that kind of environment, a value might be around like uh, being confident to speak up um, and share your mm. ideas. Um, and so ha- looking at kind of what your gaps are, and again, that can be a great activity to do as a team to say, you know, what do we want to be better at um, and what do we maybe need to be better at to go to that next level of our vision um, and making those part of the values as well rather than just the what are we really good at already and what do people know us in the market for and those kind of things. So it can be a little yeah. bit of a different um, mindset space with that as well Mm, yeah that's a really good point so organizational structure yeah tell us about that one so this is one that I really love and a lot of people wouldn't kind of think of this as a leadership tool or a, a management tool necessarily it's kind of just thought of as like oh we just have our org structure or hierarchy or whatever you might want to call it kind of in a folder somewhere and we talk new people through it when they come so they know who everyone is. Um, And it is very useful for that but also as a leadership tool for kind of that forward planning and thinking about, okay, how are we going to continue to grow this business and where do different roles and responsibilities sit particularly as you're growing from kind of a one-person show into a broader team, you're then, it's it's deciding, and this is what we'll talk about a little bit more later on, I think, is, is looking at um, what kind of functions will I keep as the business owner and what will other people start to take on and really using that as a tool for um, explaining where, where different things fit within the business, um, where different information needs to flow and where those communication points are really important. Um, Some people within the business as the team gets a bit bigger might not have to communicate very often, but there's going to be very um, critical points within the business where bottlenecks can form if things aren't flowing properly and using your organisational structure to identify some of those things can be a really helpful tool. Um, And again, something to bring people along on the journey if they can see that there's this possible progression down the track because we might need to bring a management Mm. role in here, for example. Those kind of things can be, again, really useful conversations for motivation and, and, um, yeah, exciting the team around growth and and development. Yeah. I think it's also really handy to have an organisational structure there that you can draw up as your goal, like your your goal at the end of in the next 12 months or in the next three years, this is how I ideally want to see the business develop from an organisational structure perspective. I want to have somebody that takes over the finance part of the business. I want somebody to take over the administration of the business, you know, and drawing it out there as a bit of a goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of been something that has, uh, that I've sort of used in the past and it's not stuck in stone it's not you know you could change this anytime but it's just getting your thoughts out of your head and being able to see them visually in a diagram drawn up there that you can then stand back and look at it and go okay it does that really make sense and is that the way I want to move my business 
Yeah, and then really important to obviously think about it from a bit of a financial perspective as well as what which mm. roles are going to be revenue generating, which roles are kind of overhead roles um, because I think most businesses would, would love to have, you know, resources in every area that could do all of the things for them that they often have to do themselves. But the reality is that that paying a person to do every single thing within a business is, is not necessarily viable if you don't have the balance right between those that can make money and those that will cost money. Um, so that's another important kind of tool to use um, your org chart for that's maybe not necessarily a team thing, but definitely for you as a business owner to be able to, to kind of question um, as you're looking at who to, who to hire next and putting that goal um, structure together as well. Mm, and it, I guess it's also for those of you that are looking at it this future org chart and saying, okay, this is what I want, but then in what order does it make sense for me to look at employing these people? You know, am I better off employing this one, the the finance person before the admin person, or am I better off employing the admin person before the new salesperson or whatever it might be? And I and I think that you'll touch on that potentially when we talk through the um, you know, the activity for deciding, you know, which role you are going to hire next and hire first. Yeah, exactly. And it might also be that you have somebody that you need to hire now and then down the track that role maybe doesn't exist anymore kind of mm. as you grow and either can have more skilled people within the business or the plan might be to shift um, potentially more into an online space, for example, if you have some Use retail at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that will start to shift where um, where people are and it might not be that everyone that starts with you will continue to be able to grow with you. Um, and so that's another kind of consideration and thing to, to think about as well through that process. Mm, yeah. So these things, the first three that we've spoken about, the vision and the goals, the mission and the values and the org structure, those three things, I guess they get just paid a bit of lip service really, but yeah. they're really quite they're really quite important. They're the real foundations, aren't they, for growing a successful team? Yeah, and really aligning people and having people kind of all pulling in the same direction basically mm. is kind of what all of those things do in their own way um, is make sure that everyone's on the bus and driving in the same direction essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I, um, I had a business coach once who always referred to the bus and said, <laughs> sometimes you need to open the door and go around the corner real fast and some <laughs> might just fall out. So I always loved that one as well. <laughs> yes, that is a good one. Uh, probably mm. not a, a great HR process, but... <laughs> well, probably not. But anyway, I'm sure we've all felt like it from time to time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so then we, we move into position, position descriptions and KPIs. So let's walk through that one here. This is where oh, position descriptions... I have always despised having to draw these things up or review them or think about them like, oh, you know, this is a good one to outsource to someone like you guys for sure. Yes. But, yeah, talk us through them. Why do we need them? And, yeah, then KPI is a very, very meaty subject, I think, that can um, help you make a lot of money if you're looking at the right KPIs. But let's get into it. You talk, you talk through it. Yeah, exactly. I think again, it's it, this is a big area, and you can you can kind of do it in a, a small slice, or kind of take it on as a huge project as well. Um, 
I think one of the most important things in having a team is being really clear on what you expect that person to be delivering. And a position description is kind of a simple way of portraying that uh, expectation versus just having conversations and not having something kind of concrete that everyone can refer back to. Um, it is something that is is a difficult process to go through creating generally and it is something that is despised by a lot of business owners. Um, but being able to, to really break down, okay, what is it that this role really needs to do? And ideally this will happen before you hire so that you're really clear on what kind of, uh, what kind of expertise and skills do I really need to be bringing into this role so that they can achieve these things that I've kind of outlined as what's really important important. Um, and what we'll talk about in a little bit as well is, is making sure that all of the things that you're putting into someone's position description make sense together. Um, because sometimes, especially when we've got small teams, we kind of expect people to be across everything um, yeah, and true. to be great at everything. Um, and we as business owners probably know better than anyone else that no one is great at everything. And so it's really looking at, okay, where, where does this role make sense to fit together from those responsibilities and roles and tasks? Um, and what either might I need to keep as a business owner for a bit longer or to, to kind of split off into a separate role or to outsource or, or whatever that might be. Um, so getting really clear on what you expect this person to be doing. And then the position description is basically the way that you can communicate that with your new employee um, so really looking at basically what success looks like and that's where the KPIs really come into it to be able to um, very easily measure okay so this was the expectation this is what I need you to achieve from an outcome perspective and then how are you tracking against that so it kind of can be a full circle kind of communication framework really mm. Mm, yeah. And I think with KPIs, so KPIs are key performance indicators. So they're indicators of your performance as an as a team member. And I think you can get really creative with KPIs as well. It doesn't always have to be something that is uh, very heavily numbers-based. Yes, you want to be able to measure it, but you can get quite creative with them, I think, as well. because. Would you agree that you want every employee, regardless of who they are, even if it's uh, the the person who answers the phones in the front office, to have KPIs? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone everyone should have a way of measuring their success and their contribution to the business. But like you said, yeah, that doesn't have to be uh, dollar value of sales um, because mm. that's not going to be relevant for every role. But it might be you know, uh, the amount of Google reviews that you can get. If it's someone's job at on the reception desk, for example, to invite people to leave a Google review, um, the number that they actually get people to convert with that might be something that is a KPI for them. Mm. So it's really looking at what's important for that role and what's realistic for that role to be able to achieve given the, you know, the touch points that they have with customers or whatever it might be um, to give them something meaningful that they can be aiming for and that they can then be proud of when they're achieving um, or ask for help if they're struggling to, to get there as well because otherwise you're not really sure kind of where you are in the spectrum if you're not getting that that feedback. Which is where I think it's going to come into the into its um, into its own is the fifth one that we're going to talk about, which is the regular one to one chat. So you know, if you're asking people, if you want people to set their 
set KPIs, then there is no better way to do it than to sit down with them together one-on-one and say, okay, well, where do we need to, where do you want to improve your performance and how can we help you do that? You know, what do you need from us? And let's work this out together. And, you know, if people can set their own KPIs, they're a lot more attached to them. They're more meaningful, I think, as well. Yeah, exactly. And and KPIs that you don't kind of circle back and ever check if people are tracking against them are, are basically useless as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what the, the regular check-ins make sure that those kind of things that we've said, oh, this was really important and so we're going to track it, then okay are we actually tracking it and how are we going and what does that look like and then has there been any flow-on impact to the business or the rest of the team or you know how easily they're finding their workflow and those kind of things now that they're achieving these KPIs and kind of reflecting on it a little bit holistically as well to kind of say okay well are you feeling better about your job now because you can see that these boxes are being ticked and we're kind of moving um, moving things forward as well can be a really important part of those check-ins as well. A little bit broader than um, how are they performing, it's also then how are they finding like themselves at work? Are they ha- having certain challenges or concerns or things that can be brought up? Uh, because having those opportunities for people to voice that kind of stuff means that generally it will get dealt with a lot more quickly than if those opportunities don't exist and that things are left to kind of fester and people don't feel like they have an opportunity to discuss them, it will, it will kind of be something then that, um, yeah, can, can bubble up in a bigger way than if there's an opportunity to, to chat about it in, a, I guess, a bit more of an informal way but also in that supportive environment where how are we going through to this together, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think with your KPIs too, it's also about looking at, what's driving the profit that that person is contributing to. And it doesn't, again, need to be somebody who's actually doing the do and doing the work, you know, your designer that's doing your, the design, you know, taking care of some of the, some of your contracts or parts part thereof. It can be the administration team, you know, what is it that they can do that can drive profit? And it might be increasing customer experience, you know, those mm. types of things can come into it where you can then be a little bit creative around that and and, and if it give them the opportunity to come up with their own things that they want to implement to improve the customer experience and, and the KPI might be to sit down with them and say, okay, so if we agree that customer experience is a really important part of your role and something that we could as a, as a um, business work on together – how can we work that into your role? You know, it, do you want to come up with one per month, you know, or one per week, one thing that you can do to improve the customer experience? And yet they might not even have to actually do the thing, but just come up with the idea that mm. perhaps somebody else can implement or, and just kind of includes everybody. And it's not just about setting strict KPIs for those that are productive workers or salespeople, but including Mm. everybody in the business and giving them a level of responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And and those kind of things as well, you can absolutely tie back to your mission and values and Mm. your bigger goals and saying, okay, well, if this year 
we want to really focus on our customer experience because we've identified that that's an area that um, either we're lacking in or just that's something that we want to improve on, um, then linking it back to, to those other elements and setting it as a KPI and something that's as important as maybe the sales targets, for example, yeah. it can then send a really great message um, to the team as well. And involving them in that, like you said, provides that ownership and really gets people motivated and a bit more um, likely to, to kind of get it done if they've had some kind of say in, in what's mm, happening too. Yeah. So then the regular one-to-one chats, I love this one because I feel as though having a communication channel with your team is it's absolutely critical and it needs to be something that's yeah two-way that you you could you talk us through it but I really do feel this is like a super strong part that a lot of people let themselves down in that tend not to have conversations with their team openly yeah and it's something that, um, again, with super small teams, you feel like you're talking to each other all the time. Mm. So it's probably not really necessary because you know where they're at on projects and you know that they're hitting their KPIs. And so there's not really that, um, there doesn't feel like there's a need to have specific conversations. Um, but what I find is that having those check-ins built in, um, whether it's monthly or weekly, depending on kind of the business and requirements, it's then giving both parties an opportunity to, to have um, open feedback. And it makes it a little bit less awkward than kind of setting up a specific meeting if there's specific feedback to be given. Um, so if there's something constructive that needs to be shared, if you've already got a meeting and one of your items on the agenda is to talk about challenges this month, um, then it's much easier to talk about, oh, okay, well, you didn't bring it up, but it was this, I noticed in this client meeting, this happened and that's something that we would really like to address and, and work with how you might not do that in the future. Mm. Um, having that one-on-one chat that's actually booked in can be something that makes that whole feedback process a little bit less daunting for both parties because you've already got that in the diary, it's happening. Um, there starts to be an expectation that that is the avenue where feedback is shared um, and so it just makes it, um, yeah, something that's that's less out of the blue often um, to be able to, to have some of those more difficult conversations. So I definitely recommend having a, an agenda and whether that's three questions or five questions and it might be checking on your KPIs, you know, what's been your biggest challenge this week? What's your biggest challenge coming up next week? What have you enjoyed most this last week? What are you looking forward to the most this week? And you'll find that those kind of open questions really spur on conversation with your team as well. Yeah, yeah. And from a practical perspective, again, I have always done, um, I know there was a period of time there where we were trying to do this every month, like meet with each person individually every month. And I would put aside two days in my calendar and say, and everybody in the team knew that it was, they needed to just go into my calendar and book out that time and they would come in and they would all do it. As soon as I'd say, okay, I've put those days aside, everyone would jump in and grab their spot because it started to become something that I felt where people just had their chance to have their say, like in a really comfortable Mm. environment. You know, we could have some great conversations and Sometimes the conversations, even they weren't that great, but it gave them an, an opportunity to have that conversation, you know. So, yeah, I think people really kind of appreciated the fact that they did have the chance to have that half hour, hour or whatever it was regularly 
to have their say in something? Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you mentioned before, that the two-way nature of those conversations is really important as well. It's not about meeting with your team member and then you just blurt out all of Talk the feedback them. to them. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It is It is great to be able to kind of open that dialogue for them to give you feedback on how, you know, you might be supporting them or how something could be done differently in the business to, to make their job easier. Um, and that allows you to open up that discussion about, well, this might be why it's not possible or this is why it's something that we need to wait until next quarter when we've got a different level of income or whatever mm. it might be. Um, it really just opens up that discussion to be able to have that feedback flow between both ways, which doesn't necessarily happen kind of in an open environment with the whole team there. People might not really feel comfortable um, to share some of those ideas or information or feedback as Mm, well. And ultimately, your team members are the ones that are in the best position to come up with the ideas that are going to help them be better at their job. You know, they're the ones that know and but you, you need to just be able to plant that seed with them and give them an opportunity to have the conversation with you rather than just expect that they're just going to take it on board that, and take care of things themselves. You know, it doesn't always work like that. Yeah, exactly. And giving them a bit of ownership over um, creating the agenda and mm. leading the meeting, If especially if you're quite time poor, like most business owners, mm. um, it can be something that is kind of driven by the, t- the team member instead, um, rather than you having to prepare a whole lot of stuff for the meeting. Potentially, that's something that they can be responsible for coming prepared to the meeting with what they want to discuss. And it's more, um, which sounds like what you had done with your team is kind of, I'm available. Mm. So, come and talk to me about what you need to talk about and obviously I'll have feedback for you too but it's that kind of more of just an open communication space. Yeah, exactly. No, it's great. So that is the five tools, vision and goals, mission and values, organisational structure, position descriptions and KPIs and then the regular one-to-one chats. Well, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was really helpful information. I know people are going to get a lot out of it. So where can people find you if they want to follow you or check out your website? I actually, is your new website up? It is up. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was just thought that that was your new one. I was looking at it um, just recently and it's, it's great. I love the website. It's so, it's so fun. So you need to tell everybody your website so they can go and check it out because just for the sake of it, because it's a fun website. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we're at clubsandwichhr.com.au. On Instagram, we're at clubsandwichhr, Facebook, clubsandwichhr. And then we're over on LinkedIn. You can connect with me at Tina Mills or Club Sandwich HR. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for all of this valuable advice. And wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining us and we shall talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks, very Katina. Much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Simply Smarter Numbers. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I'd love to hear from you. Come and join the conversation online. You'll find Simply Smarter Numbers on Instagram, Facebook, and more. Just head to simplysmarternumbers.com and you'll find all that you need there. Simply Smarter Numbers is dedicated to you getting the results that you deserve in your business. And I'm honored that you tuned in.